Welcome to Let's Read Stories, a podcast of short stories written by aspiring authors read by someone who loves telling stories. Do you write short stories? Send them to letsreadstoriespodcast at gmail.com and your story may be featured in a future episode. Hi everyone, my name is Raven and I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This time I'll be reading one of my own stories titled The Trial of Heather Delaney. Make sure you're following at Read Stories Pod on Twitter and at Let's Read Stories Podcast on Instagram to get updates on new episodes and to keep up to date on new exciting things to come. Heather awoke to find a hand pressed firmly over her mouth, a dark figure hovering above her with a finger pressed to their lips. She inhaled a sharp gasp, but did not scream. This was a night she had been waiting for for a very long time. Once the figure above her felt sure that Heather wasn't going to scream, they removed their hand from her mouth and gestured for her to get up. Heather rolled out of her sleeping bag, hurrying to pull on her military-issued boots and jacket. She had been sleeping in her day clothes every night for weeks, waiting for the initiation she had been told would come any day. Supposedly, only the members of the High Coven really knew when she would be ready and would not come a moment sooner. Heather pulled her tangled mess of hair into a ponytail with a black hair tie she always kept on her wrist. With her long silver hair pulled out of her face, she nodded to the hooded figure who had awoken her, and the figure nodded back. They stood and offered their hand to Heather, and she took it. They would walk hand in hand to the initiation hall, where the hooded figure would leave her to her own devices and allow her to take part in the initiation trial. The figure led Heather out of the large tent she shared with the other initiates, all of whom were still sleeping. What would they say in the morning when they awoke to find Heather gone? Would they be excited for her, or jealous that she had been chosen before any of them? Heather could not care less if they were jealous of her. She had known from the start that she would never be popular with the others. Coming from a powerless world, Heather was blessed with incredible magic, as her teachers had often told her, and more powerful than any witch in her generation. That tended to make others jealous and angry, especially when most of them had been trained from birth to become what Heather was naturally. Outside the tent, the moon was almost full, and the path to the castle of Oraden shone in its light. Torches lit the way as well, as most nights the path was too dark and dangerous to travel without some light guiding the way. The hooded figure continued forward to the path, Heather following silently behind. As they walked, Heather theorized as to who was under the hood. They were wearing a mask to hide their face, as was tradition. Gloves covered their hands to further add to the mystery. The witches were not allowed to know who guided them to initiation. The head witches explained that the anonymity helped fledgling witches succeed in their initiation rites. Because if the witch was more powerful, they tended to be nervous knowing someone like that was involved in the process, and if the witch was weak with her magic, they tended to worry they were seen as a weakling and would not perform as well. As far as Heather knew, the witches were chosen at random to guide the fledglings, but she could see why some of her peers would worry about the meaning behind it all. The further they got from the tent and the closer they got to the castle, Heather could feel knots tying themselves inside her stomach. What lay ahead for her? How long would the trials last? What would happen once they were over? She was not so worried about succeeding as much as she was about disappointing her teachers and not being able to return home as soon as she had planned. Heather knew that she would far outmatch the rest of the witches who were initiated in the coming weeks, but still, she couldn't help but worry she might not be as strong or as magically talented as her teachers expected her to be. Pure anxiety, she knew, but still, she worried. As they reached the castle, Heather could feel sweat building in her palms. Her free hand ached from how tightly she had it balled into a fist, and the knuckles of the hand being held by the hooded figure were white from tension. She tried to relax her fingers a bit. The person under the hood had not done anything to make it known that her grip was too tight, and she wondered if this happened often with the fledgling witches. The doors to the castle opened, 
two other hooded figures stood within. Heather and her companion stopped at the threshold and waited for the others inside to grant them entry. The two hooded figures nodded and stepped to the side, gesturing for them to come in. Heather and her guide slipped into the castle foyer, the dark marble floors echoing with the sound of their footsteps. During the day, the castle was always busy with witches making their way to classes, porting to other castles in the region, or talking strategy with kings and queens to protect their kingdoms. Heather had never been allowed to see the castle at night. The fledgling witches slept outside in tents to help prepare them for any situation. The tents were set up on the very edge of the castle's property, near the woods which housed any number of creatures, some dangerous, but most were just curious. For the most part, the witches did not have to face any danger, but they were expected to deal with any beast who wandered onto the property by any means necessary. Heather's group had lost two witches to a minotaur that had attacked their camp. Minotaurs were extremely rare, especially in the mountainous region the castle was settled in, and so the girls were not permitted to kill it. Taya and Marsha were two witches who had died fighting the beast. Though she didn't know them well, Heather thought of them daily, reminding herself to be strong so she could protect those who could not protect themselves. The silence of the foyer and the halls beyond was deeply unsettling. Heather could feel a lead weight settle in her stomach as the two approached the doors to the Grand Hall, where Heather would be participating in the initiation rites. The door was large and ornate, with a beautiful, extremely detailed carving of a forest seen upon them. Trees with long flowing limbs, vines crawling up the trunks with flowers blooming along them. The doors were enchanted, and as they approached, Heather watched as the vines grew along the trunks of the trees, wrapping themselves around each spindly limb, flowers blooming as the vines grew. The scene changed with the seasons, and as she watched the wood transform itself, Heather felt a warmth blossom in her chest. Spring was on its way, signaling change and hope for the future. She smiled as she had the thought. She would do well in her initiation, not just because she was strong and not just because she had to. Heather would succeed because it was meant to be. Once they reached the door, the hooded figure stopped. They dropped Heather's hand and turned to face her. Her hand was cold now, and she could feel how stiff her fingers actually were from how tightly she had been clinging to this person. She felt heat rise in her cheeks. She had no cause to be embarrassed, but she couldn't help it. The hooded figure held out their arms, and Heather stepped into their embrace. The embrace itself was meant to symbolize strength passing from one witch and into the next, a sign of good health. Heather liked this tradition, and realized how desperately she needed this hug for reassurance. Be careful, Heather, the hooded figure whispered, and Heather nearly jumped out of her skin. Ezra? she whispered back. Ezra was her best friend, and had been led to initiation several weeks prior. They had not had any time to speak to each other since, and until then, Heather had not realized how badly she missed the girl. Yes, Ezra whispered. Things are not as they seem. Do not stray from the path. They will know, and you will fail. You're going to be amazing. Don't let them take that from you. Before Heather could ask what she meant, Ezra squeezed her a little tighter and then pulled back. She tapped twice on Heather's left shoulder and then twice on her right. Another part of the tradition, but this one Heather didn't understand. Another part of the tradition, but this one Heather did not understand. There was no true history to this tradition, and she wondered if it was just a way to say good luck without using words. Ezra took three steps back before curtsying and walking away, hands stiff at her side. Heather wasn't sure why Ezra had chosen to reveal herself, or what her warning had meant, but she was glad for it. The reminder that Ezra had made it through her initiation trial made an unwavering calm settle over Heather. She could do this, no matter what was thrown her way. And then, she would find out what Ezra meant by, things are not as they seem. But then, the doors began to open. They opened inwards, revealing a deep, inky blackness within. Heather turned, but Ezra and both the hooded figures who had welcomed them into the foyer were nowhere to be seen. 
Taking a deep breath, Heather held out her right hand and watched with a mixture of surprise and confusion as her hand disappeared into the inky blackness. A cloaking spell, she knew, so as not to allow anyone but the initiate to see what was within. Heather looked behind her once more, savoring this final moment before the trial would begin. No use looking back, she muttered to herself. Taking a deep breath to steady herself, Heather turned back and took a step into the darkness. Heather heard the sound of birds chirping first. The darkness surrounded her still, and she knew the hall was transforming, acclimating to whatever challenges Heather would face for her trial. A cool breeze tickled her skin, and slowly, Heather started to see objects take shape. First, a bench just to her left, and then a tree and a grassy field. With a start, Heather realized what was forming around her. Rose Park, somewhere she had gone as a child to escape into a book for a while before heading home after school to do homework and chores. She was home. Heather felt tears spring to her eyes. She had almost lost all hope of ever seeing this place again, and even though it was an illusion, it was so realistic that she almost forgot what she was doing here. Heather, come here, sweetie! She heard a voice call out behind her. She turned, and now she couldn't help but start crying. Her mother, a petite woman with graying hair and soft green eyes and a kind smile, was standing behind her, holding her arms open as if waiting for a hug. Heather took a step forward. Mama? she asked. Yes, sweetheart, her mother said. Oh, I've missed you so much. Heather was about to take another step forward, but she noticed something that made her stop in her tracks. Her mother was standing about five feet away at the edge of a concrete path. Heather would have to step off of the path to reach her mother, and Ezra's warning echoed in her ears. Do not stray from the path. They will know, and you will fail. Her heart dropped into her stomach. Everybody's trial was different, and it seemed Heather's would be testing her ability to turn her back on the things she wanted most. I will not be able to return home if I run to her now, she thought. Heather turned away from her mother, hands balled into fists at her side. She could do this. She had to do this if she wanted to become strong enough to go home again. Heather, her mother said, sorrow dripping from her voice. Heather, come here! Come home! With tear-filled eyes, Heather continued down the path, ignoring the cries of her mother. It wasn't really her mother, and she knew that, but that knowledge did not make it any easier for her to continue on. The path seemed to stretch for miles in front of her, twisting and turning through the park like a snake. Rose Park was not miles long, and the green field looked strange, as if someone had taken it to a taffy machine and stretched it. Trees dotting the field were long and misshapen, and as Heather walked, they snapped into the normal shapes. About a mile down the path, the illusion started to change. Houses began popping into existence, and the path changed from concrete into asphalt. This was her old neighborhood, she realized. At the end of the block stood her house, directly in line with the path. There were three children running down the sidewalk, giggling. They ran past Heather, and she saw her two childhood friends and herself playing tag. It was jarring at first to witness a memory happening in third person, and Heather stopped walking, curious to find out what this memory was. Heather's a weirdo, her friend Beth was saying. No, you're the weird one, young Heather said, sticking her tongue out at Beth and giggling when Beth stuck her tongue out in return. Beth, don't be mean to Heather. She'll put a spell on you, Marie, her other friend, said. Heather's breath caught in her chest. She didn't remember this part of the conversation. Yeah, she's a witch, Beth said. She looked directly at the real Heather and pointed. Witch! Witch! Stop it, young Heather said, grabbing Beth's arm and pulling her back. I'm not a witch! Marie grabbed young Heather's arm and pulled her, and Beth grabbed her other arm. 
They pulled her to the ground and Beth sat on her chest, using her knees to pin her arms to the ground. Young Heather was screaming and Marie was shouting, Witch! She is a witch! Heather, the real Heather, shouted, trying to get their attention. This wasn't real, she knew, but she still couldn't stand to watch kids attack each other this way. Hey, you're hurting her! Who cares, Marie said. You're a witch. You'll burn like all the witches. Heather stumbled forward until she reached the end of the asphalt. The children were still out of reach, though, and she stood watching helplessly as the kids continued to bully her younger self. Help! young Heather yelled. Help me! Heather steadied her breathing and closed her eyes, trying to focus herself. Ezra said she had to stay on the path. She didn't say she couldn't use magic. In fact, this was a trial meant to test Heather's abilities as a witch, so why not show her teachers what she could do? As she focused, she felt her magic begin to flow through her, spreading to every part of her body. When she opened her eyes, she saw the two girls who were holding her younger self to the ground were glaring at her. Heather grinned, and she lifted her hands, palms up. The children looked at her, confused at first, but then understanding flooded their faces as they realized what she was doing. Marie and Beth screamed as they began to float, slowly, skywards. Their legs and arms flailed around, searching the air for something to grab a hold of, to no avail. Young Heather sat up and brushed off her yellow shirt. She looked at the real Heather and smiled. You will do great things, she said, before standing up, giggling, and running in the direction Heather had come from. Heather breathed a sigh of relief before continuing on her path. Marie and Beth continued screaming behind her, but as she reached her childhood home and climbed up the front porch steps, their screams faded into silence. She looked back to see the two of them stretched like the trees in the park had been. This place is weird, Heather muttered to herself under her breath. She turned back to the front door to find it open, the interior of the house on full display. She laughed to herself as she saw a blue rug rolled out across the entire expanse of the house. At least the path was clear. Heather stepped into the house, happy to be able to see her childhood home again. Her and her parents hadn't lived in this home for at least ten years, and the sense of nostalgia was almost a tangible thing in the room. She took in every detail, the ugly gray couch her mother had loved so much, the guitar sitting on the stand in the corner that her father would play for them on occasion, the random toys strewn about that Heather would play with. Heather had been spoiled, especially being an only child. When she was 16, she learned that she was adopted. It hadn't fully come as a surprise, but she wasn't really sure why, and her mother had admitted to her that they had tried for children many times, but they had learned when Heather was a toddler that her mother was infertile. The news broke their hearts but they took that sorrow and turned it around to give Heather the best life they possibly could. She felt a pang of sadness as she thought of her parents. Heather had no way of knowing how time passed between her home and this strange place she found herself in. For all she knew, the months she had been missing, training to hone her magic and become a stronger witch, her parents were frantically searching for her. Or perhaps time was different here. Maybe she had only been gone for a few minutes in her world. Although she doubted that was the case, she hoped for the latter. Heather hated the thought of her parents, terrified, no idea if their daughter was alive. She took a deep breath, shaking her head to clear the negative thoughts from her mind. She couldn't worry about that now. She needed to complete initiation before she could even think about home. Heather walked through the halls of the house, following along the path of the rug. The carpet beneath the rug was gray, and Heather could remember how itchy it had made her when she was little. She was allergic to something in the fibers, and by the time they'd figured it out, they were already moving into their new home, which had hardwood floors instead of carpet. The blue rug was a new addition, exclusively added just to make clear the path Heather was supposed to be following through this trial. As she walked, Heather noticed picture frames hanging at eye level along the walls. 
At the beginning were photos of her parents, much younger than the last time she had seen them. They were dressed unusually, her mother in a plain grey tunic and leather pants, her long brown hair piled in a bun on top of her head, and her father in a black shirt and cotton trousers. They looked like clothes from Asteria, Heather realized with surprise. What in the... Heather muttered, trailing off as she noticed the next photo, which wasn't a photo at all, but a painting. Again, it was her parents, her mother dressed in a long flowing gown, her hair long and wavy. Her father stood behind her, wearing armor. Interesting, isn't it? An unfamiliar voice said from behind her, causing Heather to jump and let out a squeak of surprise. She whirled to face the voice and was surprised to find a woman she didn't recognize standing behind her. The woman's eyes were completely white, and she had a scar, long and jagged, that crossed from her bottom lip to right above her left eyebrow. She had blonde hair that was so long it almost brushed the ground, and she looked to be only a few years younger than Heather's mother. The woman was wearing black robes, and she held a wooden staff that had a purple crystal at the top. Who are you? Heather asked cautiously. This woman was not from her home world. She knew that with complete certainty. My dearest child, she said, her voice cracked and raspy like she hadn't spoken in years. I am Giovanna. Have you heard of me? Heather shook her head no, but then a flash of memory made her say, You're the sorceress from Tordoda, the one everyone in Oroden is so afraid of. Giovanna smiled and bowed. The one and only, my dear. Heather's stomach twisted with anxiety. Giovanna was a dark sorceress, banned from Oroden because of the destruction she had wrought when she was a student in the school. If rumors were true, Giovanna had once been the most powerful witch among the students at Oroden and was destined to become head sorceress, until an accident involving another student left her blind and angry. The details were fuzzy from there, but Heather knew that if this was indeed Giovanna, she was in deep, deep trouble. Don't be frightened, Heather, Giovanna said. This is merely... Me sating my curiosity over the powerful witch who appeared in Mysteria all those long months ago. You come from another world, isn't that right? Heather swallowed, her throat suddenly incredibly dry. Answer me, Giovanna snapped, causing Heather to jump nearly out of her skin. Yes, from Earth, she said. Ah, Earth, Giovanna said, her voice calm and cool. Those fools really thought they could keep you from me, didn't they? Heather shook her head, confused. What fools? What do you mean, keep me from you? So many questions, my dear, Giovanna said, smiling. But perhaps now is not the time for questions. You have a trial to complete, do you not? Why are you here, Giovanna? Heather asked. And how do you know my name? I know a lot more than you think, Giovanna said. She gestured at the wall that held the picture frames and the painting of her parents. More than you, it seems. Such a pity your dear parents kept so much from you, and now it seems it's too late to get any answers from them. So sad what happened. She frowned, her voice taking on a tone of mock sadness. What are you talking about? Heather asked. She was surprised at how strong and bold she sounded, considering how terrified she really was. Car accident, of course, Giovanna said. She gestured widely, and suddenly they were no longer in the hallway of her old house. They stood in a hospital room, the sound of monitors beeping and whirring all around them. Heather frowned, confused about what she was seeing. But then the puzzle pieces seemed to click together. Her mother, hair gray and twisted into a bun on top of her head, sat in a chair beside a hospital bed, hands busy with the embroidery she was working on. And in the bed... Dad! Heather shouted, running to his side. 
He was unconscious, and he looked frail and sickly compared to the last time she had seen him. There were dark circles under his eyes, and, she noticed with a start, burn scars running down his neck and onto his shoulder. He looked like he had been through hell. Neither he nor her mother reacted to her shouting, and when she reached for his hand, her own passed through his as if he were made out of smoke. "'What is this?' Heather asked, her voice thick with tears. She sniffled and wiped at her face, not caring whether Giovanna heard her sobs or not. "'This is now,' Giovanna said. "'Your father is in a coma, and your mother, well, her mind has frayed. It's a wonder she's not locked away.' "'What did you do to them, Giovanna?' Heather asked, voice full of resentment and anger. "'Me?' Giovanna laughed. "'I did not do anything. "'Your disappearance was very taxing on your parents, you know. "'They were out searching for you nearly every night. "'Your father went alone one night, insisting your mother stay home in case you called. "'That, of course, was the night of the accident. "'Fortunately for your mother, she was not with him.' Unfortunately, however, your disappearance and your father's accident broke her. The police were no use, you know. They believed you simply ran away from home. I didn't run away, Heather shouted. She didn't know why she was yelling. That certainly wouldn't change anything, but she couldn't help the frustration she felt. No, you didn't, Giovanna said. Suddenly she was at Heather's side, her hand on her shoulder as if she wished to console her. Poor child, you truly don't understand what is happening, do you? Heather didn't say anything. She pulled away, out of Giovanna's grasp. Even showing you the painting, you didn't figure it out, Giovanna said. She tisked and shook her head. Heather looked at her mother, who was still focused on her embroidery. She saw what her mother was stitching into the fabric, and felt another wave of sobs building in her chest. Her mother was embroidering the park bench in Rose Park, the one Heather had found herself standing by when this trial had begun. And then, it hit her. I'm not from here, am I? She said, her voice low and thick with tears. Giovanna didn't say anything, but Heather saw a grin spread across the sorceress's face. And neither are they, Heather said, gesturing to her parents. That's why they were dressed so strangely in that painting. Now you're getting it, Giovanna said. She waved her hand, and again the scene changed. Heather realized with a start that they were standing in the Grand Hall of Castle Oradin. The Grand Hall was where the witches had their meals, and where they had assembly when the head sorceress had announcements she needed to make. At night, the Grand Hall was used for the initiation trial, as it was the largest space in the castle that could have a cloaking spell placed on it. "'Trial is over, Heather,' Giovanna said. She was sitting in the chair the high sorceress sat in during assembly, her legs crossed in front of her. She was still holding her staff. "'Your trial was different from everyone else's.' The head sorceress must be pleased with herself. Everyone's is different, Heather said defiantly. No, my dear, that is just a lie they spin to make everyone think they are special. Giovanna said the word like it had turned to ash inside her mouth. But you, you are special, Heather. Stop talking so cryptically, Heather said. Giovanna threw her head back and laughed. Once she managed to get a hold of herself, Giovanna began to explain. The trial typically tests your abilities to call upon your magic and tests if you can truly use magic as you have been taught. But not you, Heather. You are given a trial in which to test your loyalties. The head sorceress intended to make you see how important you are here and how much you are needed here. 
She never intended to teach you how to go home, Heather. Heather shook her head. I don't believe you. I don't need you to believe me, Giovanna said. I just need you to listen to what I have to say. You are not welcome here, Giovanna. Heather spun to the front of the Grand Hall where she discovered the head sorceress standing along with two of her personal guard. Hello, Natasha, Giovanna said dryly. Perfect timing, really. Heather, get behind me, dear, Natasha said. She can protect herself, Giovanna said. Not that she is in any danger at all from me. She never has been, of course, if only her stupid parents had realized that. Heather, Natasha said, ignoring Giovanna. Please, come here. I want to hear what she has to say, Heather said. She is the only one who's been honest with me so far, and the only one who's allowed me to see my parents, even temporarily. Natasha paled. I was trying to protect you. Giovanna snorted. Everyone tries so hard to protect you, Heather. Don't you want to know why? Heather turned to Giovanna. She was standing now, holding her staff with both hands. I do. Heather, once you know, you can't ever go back, Natasha warned. Oh, do hush, Natasha, Giovanna said, a grin spreading across the sorceress's face. I want to know, Heather said. Wonderful, Giovanna said. She snapped her fingers, and Heather watched as the scene around them changed once again. They were still standing in a grand hall of sorts, but it was obvious they were in another kingdom. Sunlight shone through the high-arched windows behind the throne. A man sat on the throne, and a woman stood beside him, holding a baby. "'Your Highness,' a man was saying. A knight stood before the king, holding his helmet against his side. The knight looked familiar, but Heather only saw him from behind and couldn't quite place where she had seen him before. "'The princess is much more powerful than any of us originally thought. The high sorceress of Oradan tested her highness herself and discovered the witchling's power. You know what this means.' The king, a red-headed man with a beard so long it reached his waist, had a grave expression on his face. "'The dark sorceress will want her then.' The knight nodded. The woman standing beside the king cleared her throat. For the first time since the scene had begun to play out, Heather looked at her. The woman looked so much like Heather's mother, she had to do a double-take. They had the same gray hair, same soft green eyes, same worry-lined face. She wore a crown upon her head. The queen. Your Highness, the knight bowed low. I will not let that wretched woman have her, the queen said, glancing down at the baby she held in her arms. The baby was sucking on her thumb, totally lost in her own world. Nor will I, the king said. But what can we do? The princess is hardly safe here within the reach of the dark sorceress. The knight cleared his throat. If I may, your majesties, he said. The king nodded. There is the other world the knight began. Before he could continue, the queen was shaking her head violently. I will not send my daughter to that dirty place, the queen said. Let us hear him out, Lorena, the king said without looking at his wife. Myself and her highness would take her to the other world, the knight continued. There, we will protect her and raise her as our own. She will want for nothing and will be raised without knowledge of her true heritage. This way we can protect her and keep her from accessing the power in her blood. The queen was silent, and the king looked at her. She can never know, the queen said. She will want to return. The magic in her blood will always call to her, will always beg her to come home. 
She would never find out, the knight agreed. Which means she will never know her mother, the queen said, a hint of sadness in her voice. She was staring at the baby now, rocking her gently. But she will be safe, and so will we. The king looked to the knight. And my daughter has agreed? The knight nodded. Then it shall be done. In one week's time, Natasha of Oroden will send you and Princess Ariana to the other world. You may make your preparations. We will provide you with enough gold to assure you may live comfortably. The knight nodded. Thank you, your highness. Jacob, the king said, protect them both, no matter what. The knight nodded, and the king dismissed him. The scene disappeared, and the Grand Hall of Oroden reappeared. Heather had not realized she'd been holding her breath for nearly the entire conversation between the king and the knight, and she released it. Do you see, Dravana said, snapping Heather out of her stupor, do you see how you have been manipulated, Princess Heather? Heather felt sick. Her father, her true father, was king. Everything Heather knew, everything she believed, suddenly came crashing down around her as if it all stood upon glass stilts. Heather, Natasha said, suddenly standing beside her. Heather, let me take you to your quarters, and we can talk and have some tea. Heather looked at Natasha, and then at Dravana. Dravana was smiling. Natasha placed a hand on Heather's shoulder, and Heather flinched away. I am sorry, Natasha said quietly. I truly am, Heather, but your mother and father made me promise, no matter what, to protect you from the truth. They never intended for you to return. They made me swear that I would keep the truth from you if somehow Javonna found a way to you. Heather was shaking her head. You made the choice, Natasha. You chose to keep the information from me. You chose to keep me weak. No, never, Natasha said, a hint of sorrow in her voice. I was only trying to protect you, Heather. Dravana snorted. Protect her by keeping her weak, Natasha. You only seek to corrupt her, Natasha said through gritted teeth. Make her your slave to do your bidding and plunge the world into darkness and chaos. I only wish to show her what power she truly could possess, what you are holding her back from. Princess Heather could do great things if only you would allow her to access the true depths of her power. Dravana began descending the steps of the dais. She held her arms wide as if she were waiting for an embrace. I wish to set her free, Natasha. Suddenly, a crack of thunder sounded through the room, a force of wind pushing the witches in the room away from Dravana. A flash of lightning appeared, striking from the high ceiling of the great hall, hitting the marble floor with such force the whole room shook. A darkness began to pour from Dravana, pulsing with a sickening purple light as it spread throughout the room like an unnatural fog. Natasha was pulling Heather's arm, trying to tear her away from what was happening before her. But Heather would not budge. She pushed Natasha away, using her magic to throw her across the room. Heather's skin began to itch as her magic made its way through her veins, coursing and raging as anger clouded every thought in her muddled mind. "'Do you see what you could accomplish with me?' Dravana shouted. Your magic calls to my own, princess. You've always been meant for great things. Come with me back to Tordoda, where I can teach you to access the true depths of your magic. I just want to go home, Heather said, her teeth gritted. Her blood felt as though it was boiling from the effort of holding herself back. Of course, my dear, Dravana said. She smiled, her face so serene despite the chaos around her. Once you've reached the depths of everything you can do, 
I can teach you how to return home. Heather, don't listen to her, Natasha screamed over the sound of thunder and wind roaring through the room. She will only corrupt you. Oh, do shut up, Natasha, Giovanna said. Your ways are antiquated, and the princess knows it. Stop talking like I'm not standing here, Heather screamed. She felt her magic surge through her, like lightning crackling through her veins. She threw her arms out, and before she could gain control and stop herself, a bolt of lightning shot from both hands, striking Natasha and Giovanna each square in the chest, throwing them across the room. Natasha hit the wall with a sickening crack and collapsed to the ground unconscious. Two witches who had been standing outside of the room ran to Natasha's side, working to heal her from whatever damage Heather had caused. Across the room, Giovanna landed effortlessly on her feet, dusting her robes off as if nothing at all had happened, her staff still in her hand. "'You are strong,' she said. "'But you could be so much stronger, Heather.' Heather balled her fists, reigning in her magic. She had hurt Natasha, and she had no idea how badly or what Natasha would do once she was healed. If she was healed. "'What do you want from me?' Heather asked through gritted teeth. "'What I want,' Giovanna began walking slowly towards Heather, "'is for you to realize your full potential. "'What I want is to show you how much more you could be.' "'And you want me to come with you,' Heather said, closing her eyes. She was beginning to feel overwhelmed and exhausted. Yes, Gerana said. Someone grabbed Heather's shoulder, shaking her. Heather, don't go, Ezra said from behind her. You don't know what she will do to you. She won't hurt me, Heather said. She turned to face Ezra, her best friend in this insane world. She would have already, if that's what she wanted. No, she won't hurt you, Ezra frowned. Not physically, but she will change you, Heather. She won't stop until I go with her, Heather said, ignoring Ezra's warning. Before she could change her mind or allow Ezra to change it for her, Heather turned to Giovanna. I'll go with you, Heather said, as long as the people here are left alone. Giovanna smiled. Of course, dear. I only came for you. Heather, no! Ezra shouted, but it was too late. Giovanna snapped her fingers and Heather disappeared from the great hall. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Let's Read Stories Podcast. Once again, make sure you're following at Read Stories Pod on Twitter and at Let's Read Stories Podcast on Instagram to get updates on new episodes and to keep up to date on new exciting things to come. And if you write short stories, make sure to send them to Let's Read Stories Podcast at gmail.com so I can read them and maybe feature them on a future episode. Thanks so much once again for listening. Until next time, keep it cozy.